Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show with Dr. Pat Basile. In the next hour, Dr. Pat showcases some of the world's most influential people in the fields of health, wellness, and human potential. Get ready to live life full out. Here's your host, Dr. Pat Basile. Hey, everybody. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. This is Talk Radio to Thrive By. I want to thank all of you for tuning us in and turning us on. And... um and I want to take a moment to thank everyone on the team, the Dr. Pat Show and Transformation Talk Radio. It is our one-year anniversary in launching Transformation Talk Radio. And I want to thank all of you out there, all of the listeners that have tuned us in, turned us on, all of the hosts that have said yes to a, a bigger view of the world and their dreams, and to the divine guidance that all of us here at the Dr. Pat Show have had and have received in the spirit of doing better, doing good in the world. So thank all of you out there for tuning us in and turning us on. Jack Canfield is my very special guest today. And before I do a formal introduction, I want to say this. I love Jack, and I thank him so much for being who he is. I thank him for being Jack. One of the, the most interesting stories I like to share is when I first started radio, uh, for actually the show was not even the Dr. Pat show. It was actually Crust Bustling Your Way to an Awesome Life. And we had gone around and, and been looking for people that I would love to talk with. And when you're starting out as a new radio host, sometimes it's difficult to get best-selling authors and so forth and so on. But I actually didn't know that. And I, I love how ignorant I was in the process. And so I remember asking Jack if he would like to be on the show. Not only was he on the show, he actually came in the studio. I got to meet him face-to-face. We shared business cards. I told him of a dream I had that I actually had typed on the back of my business card. And off we went. Today, I get to introduce you to Jack Canfield again. And I get to introduce you to him as a co-author of the Golden Motorcycle Gang. Now, many of you that know me, you know that I've been riding motorcycles before I even had my driver's license. My dad built them, and I owned my first 1971 Harley Sportster. So any book with the title Motorcycle in it gets my attention immediately. But I don't know if that's what we're going to talk about today. Jack is the CEO of Chicken Soup for the Soul Enterprises, uh, as well as best-selling author. He is one of the most incredible speakers, trainers on the planet. He has taken his dream out into the world beyond the story you're going to hear today. I love how Jack has been able to say yes so many times in his life. He truly is a visionary in action, and that action has from time to time really taunted the doors of fear, taunted the doors of obstacles and limitation and has emerged through the light of perseverance and epic results. Jack, thank you so much for joining me here today. It is so great to have you back on the show and to chat with you again. Uh, it's my pleasure, Pat. I always love talking with you. So I, I, when I heard the title of the book, I, I was kind of jumping up and down like a kid, you know, without having known much about it. Um, Harley Davidson's, I, I, Davidson's are, I guess, something that we have in common. Um, but the book is, uh, and I also want to mention Bill, Bill, uh, uh, Bill Gladstone. Uh, the book is really an invitation, at some level, for all of us 
to describe and write the novel of our lives. What is it about the Golden Motorcycle Gang, this book, that inspires you most today? Well, basically, the title for this book, the whole idea of it came from when I was in graduate school at the University of Massachusetts. In the 1970s, I was a, I'd been a high school teacher for a couple of years, and I decided to go back to the university to work on a doctoral degree. And I was in a class, and one of the professors asked us to close our eyes and go back to the time when we decided to become a teacher. And most people went back to a fifth-grade teacher that they admired that made them decide to want to be a teacher or some high school experience they had. And I literally went back to before I was born. It kind of shocked me. It shocked everyone when I told them about it. And I was just like floating through space with a bunch of other souls, spirits, and uh, looked down on Earth. It was 1944. World War II was going on. And I saw all this chaos on the Earth, and I thought, oh, my God, it's kind of like driving by an accident on the freeway. You have to stop. So we were like on a vacation. And the, the Golden Motorcycle name comes from the fact that all of these spirits were kind of irreverent, kind of like, you know, a Hell's Angels motorcycle group. <laughs> very spiritual, but very fun-loving. And uh, just kind of didn't, you know, buckle under other people's authority. We just were following our own thing. And I decided I'm going to go down. And, and they all were, you're, you're codependent. You know, we're on a vacation. <laughs> I, said, no, I have to go. So a bunch of us decided to be born and to help out on Earth. And that was the beginning of a whole new self-concept. I wasn't just a high school teacher. I was kind of a teacher with a capital T. And that was the beginning of my really going and looking at the deeper essence of who I was as a human being, which was beyond just a body but a spirit and a soul and a higher self and all of that. So what started to happen was in my late 30s, I started meeting people I had this special resonance with, this special sense of connection, and I would go, I bet you're a part of that golden motorcycle gang that came down. And I started buying these little golden motorcycles from China. They were little Seiko-like clocks, with a, but on the side of a Harley Davidson, you know, about eight inches long. And I started giving those to people. And one day, Bill Gladstone, the co-author of the book with me, was at my house, and, and we were talking, and I realized he was a member, and I gave him one. So that's really how the title of this came about, and it's really my spiritual awakening, and it's a model for everyone's possibility to wake up to their true life purpose and to become of greater service. Well, and, you know, this is really, uh, the timing of this is really beautiful uh, in terms of sort of the, you know, the hype that's out there about 2012. A couple of years ago, a movie actually was created. I think John Cusack was in the movie. It was called 2012. Mm -hmm. And it demonstrated nothing but disaster and, in the end, salvation. Um, But 2012 and the way that, that you both talk about in this book, including Barbara Marks Hubbard, really presents a different vision, a different a different invitation for people, doesn't it? It does. Uh, basically, Bill was a student of 2012, started that when he was in his teens, and uh, studied the Mayan calendar when he was at Harvard studying sociology and social anthropology. And I uh, had become aware of this about 10 years ago, and the Mayans basically believed, and they were experts in mathematics and uh, astronomy, and they were just a... They figured out that the Earth goes through these 26,000-year cycles. And as Bill found out later doing study for his book, The Twelve, he wrote a novel about 2012, and he found that the Earth actually has a wobble in its axis. And that wobble takes 26,000 years. So now we're finding there's a scientific evidence that goes along with this Mayan calendar, which ends on December 21, 2012. And so a lot of people, and there are other 
prophecies all around the world that also end right about that same time. So people started to go, wow, there's no prophecies past 2012. It must be the end of the world. Well, even the Mayans didn't say that. They said it was an end of an era, an end of a cycle, and that we all know that everything goes through cycles, summer, winter, spring, fall kind of thing. So basically, uh, we are believing that, and this is what all the tuned-in people that I talk to are understanding, is that we are moving from an era of competition and greed and ego and corruption to an era of personal empowerment and integrity and courage and love and joy and compassion. And we're seeing that happening with the Arab Spring, with the Occupy movement that's happening in Washington and New York and Oakland and so forth. People rising up and saying, wait a second, we want to do this in a more collaborative way, we want to do it in a more democratic way, in a way that's more socially just and economically fair. I love this. You know, Bill Gladstone is is on the line at at, at well as well. And you know, I we've been talking about Bill. I'm, I'm sure he's been listening here. You know, best selling author and and someone that is sharing this vision with you, Bill. I want to welcome you to the show. I'm here. Are you able to connect me? I love you. You are connected and live, Bill. Oh, okay. I, I... you're part of the Golden Motorcycle Gang. You know, I'm talking with Jack, and I want to uh, you know, thank you guys for joining me here today. It's I, I, First of all, I, I love, Jack, how you were able to, in the hands of, of Bill, of course, were able to take us on a journey through your life. And, Bill, I want to ask you a question. I mean, every day people wake up, and they get to choose sort of, you know, what that day is going to be like. Most of us don't know we choose. What was it about your awakening, your aha moment in, in looking at this, collaborating, and writing this book? What was it? What was a light bulb that went on for you? Well, it's a journey. I mean, in my case, my own near-death experience when I was 15 years old was very important because at that time I realized that I'm not just a human being, I'm a spiritual being. And when Jack told me the story of the Golden Motorcycle Gang, I immediately felt, this isn't just a story. I think this is real. I mean, it was very real for me. I mean, and I identified with Jack's experience. And so for years, whenever I saw Jack, I would say, Jack, this is such a good story. You've got to share this story. And I think Jack actually um, has become more aware of that this story of his is a universal story. I mean, the Golden Motorcycle Gang is not just the beings that may have been with Jack when he was, you know, had his visualization. It's really everyone. And it is the nature of human existence. Because I discovered when I was, what happened to me was I was given a, a dose of penicillin and apparently I had a, a reaction to it. And according to the doctor, you know, I, I was dead for a brief period of time. All my vital signs were gone. And in that brief period of time, I really experienced a, a deeper uh, reality, if you will, which many of our religions talk about, but we are eternal beings. And when you are aware that you are more than just sort of this limited lifespan, it changes uh your perception, and it changes the way you, you lead your life. You know, I, 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 this is such an important conversation. I didn't think, and Jack, you, you probably, it's been, a, it's been a while since we talked, but, you know, the idea when I was reading about the whole death experience, and, and recently in a few years, I've, I was faced with death myself. And 
what you just said is so profound. Aren't we at this point in this book and what you both are trying to do is to, in a sense, avoid having the masses go through the kinds of death experiences we have and kind of come to a place of awakening, um, conscious awakening, uh, without those experiences. Jack, you know, your purpose of moving ahead and doing this kind of work is outlined in the book. But I wanted to ask you, what are we asking people to step up and do and step up and be? Well, just to add on to the near-death experience conversation for a moment, then I'll answer that question. Uh, okay. You know, I've, I've literally met over 20 people who had near-death experiences. In fact, in Santa Barbara, where I live, we have a woman who actually started a study group of people that have had near-death experiences, both for people that have had them and for people that are facing death, so they realize that they're not just a body. One of the exercises I teach in my seminar is called a disidentification exercise, where you disidentify from things that you're not. So you say, I have a body and I am not my body. I have emotions and I'm not my emotions. I have an intellect but I'm not my intellect. I have many roles I play. I have possessions but I'm not my possessions. And as we move through this period of shift that's occurring right now and that kind of will culminate, it's not going to be like we all wake up on December 22nd and the world is heaven on earth. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a process but it's, it's already begun and we can see that, feel that quickening that people are having. Old systems are breaking down new systems are emerging, new consciousness is arising. And when people really get, as Bill said, that you're a timeless uh, you know, spirit that goes on forever, all this work that people do about reincarnation, I've had direct memory of five past lives through hypnosis. And you know, not something that could have happened without me actually having had those lives. So I really don't fear death. I don't fear losing anything because I know I'm not it and I know I will survive. So that's a big piece of it. And what we're asking people to do with this book is simply to tune into their own unique life purpose. We believe that every single person has one. You're born with it, much like a rose needs to become a rose and can't be a chrysanthemum, and a chrysanthemum can't be a daffodil. Uh, each of us needs to flower and bloom as the, the plant that we are. And so there are exercises. In fact, on our website, goldenmotorcyclegang.com, we've actually posted just recently a, a life purpose exercise that people who are not in touch with their life purpose can do so they can align with that. I think it was uh, Stephen Covey said you don't want to get to the top of the ladder and find out the ladder was leaning against the wrong wall. So you can be successful but not fulfill your purpose. And I, I used to define success as being able to do whatever you wanted to do and create whatever result you want. I now have changed my definition of success since my book, The Success Principles, which we talked about on your show, yeah. to fulfilling your soul's purpose. I love this conversation. And, 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 you know, many of us, well, each of us, I'm sure, has gone through some changes, obstacles early on in life. And I want to chat for a minute about this and put it in the context of, uh, of a show I did yesterday asking the question, have Americans lost compassion? And, and, and the, the theme of that or that question comes from the place of are we in a state of pain and suffering? And how are people going to move beyond it? But I want to step back and ask each of you, because I know, Jack, in this book, uh, this is a beautiful weaving of, of, of both your life story and some other things that you will talk about that are related to this world. And I want to ask you both, what was the, your earliest memory of having an obstacle or a challenge in your life and at the same time, having a beautiful gift be revealed 
from that obstacle. Bill, do you want to take that first? Well, it's interesting because mine has a lot to do with compassion. I Mm -hmm. happen to have been born into a family uh, with a schizophrenic, violent older brother. And the obstacle for me was was very severe, having to actually survive beatings and strangulation and, you know, many times thinking I wasn't going to make it to, you know, even adulthood. Uh, the gift, though, was I did survive, um, and I have learned uh, from him probably more about the need for compassion, compassion for myself, compassion for him, being able to identify with other people who find themselves in difficult situations. Um, other than that, actually, my life was so easy and perfect. I was very gifted, you know, in, in intellectually, sports, everything else. But I had this one really big obstacle at the very beginning of my life, and I actually think without that, I probably would have become kind of an egomaniac and very selfish and self-centered and, and sort of, well, why, why does everybody, you know, need extra care? Well, I know why people need extra care. We all have, you know, severe challenges in our lives, and, um, you know, there's nothing that I think is more severe than extreme mental illness. It's really, you know, I, I don't, my brother is still alive, actually, and he's still mentally ill, and uh, it's a challenge interacting with him, you know, whenever I do try. Thank you. Thank you, Bill. Jack, how about you? I know that early on, uh, you know, you had some family issues, divorce in your family, so forth. Um, you know, what has this been like? What are some of those early, early day challenges, let's say? Well, I think the earliest ones for me was my father was an alcoholic, and he was also violent when he drank, which was often. So I would literally hide. We had a big console radio in the attic, but the attic was kind of like a little rec room, and it was this big radio that came about four feet off the floor and the radio was on the top the bottom part was hollow and i used to hide in there when he was drunk he'd be yelling trying to find me when i find you i'm going to beat your butt you know kind of thing and i would just sit in there for hours and hours and hours um probably when i started to meditate i don't know but uh just surviving that much like bill was saying surviving the physicalness of it the, the terror of it uh made me very two things. I, I became very hypervigilant, meaning I notice everything in an environment. If something's even moved an inch, if I come back to work the next day, I see it. I had to do that to be able to sense when my dad's moods were changing. And the other thing is, and that's made me a great consultant. I can see what's off in an environment. The other part was deep compassion, like Bill was saying, for anyone who's an underdog, who's been abused, who has, uh, you know, challenges. And the other thing that happened, my 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 great aunt, excuse me, was very uh, wealthy. Our side of the family was not. We lived in a house that cost $8,000. It was a very small little frame house. My aunt lived in a mansion, and uh, she had built tanks during World War II and made a lot of money. And so she had a son named Jack who was killed in an automobile accident when he was in college, right about the time I was in the fifth grade. So she sent me to a private military school in town. And uh, I was a day student. I came back home every night. But all the kids there were rich except me. And uh, I really began to notice the difference between being poor and being rich. And I have a tremendous sense of the struggles of rich people and the struggles of poor people. And I'm able to bridge those two worlds very easily. I went on to Harvard afterwards. Again, I was a scholarship student from West Virginia, but I had friends with names like Larry Rockefeller and Max Factor III and John Danforth and so forth. And the reality was, I think I'm able to understand the right, the left, the conservative, the liberal, the poor, the rich, the black, the white, 
in a way that most people don't because of those experiences. It was painful being poor in a, in a wealthy environment, never could afford the clothes, didn't have a car when everyone else did, but it made me extremely sensitive to both worlds. Well, I love I love what both of you are saying. This is such a powerful message, and and I so relate to you know your challenges. My mother died when I was seven years old. Actually, she committed suicide, and uh, and I think about the, you know the strength from that. You know what I what I have become, and so I wanted to ask you the the Golden Motorcycle Gang. You know, when we think about this and, and when people read this book, you know, they're going to be taken on a journey, a beautiful, beautiful journey. It's got some ups, it's got some downs, but in the end, it's got many, many, many powerful messages. What do you all, each of you think is in the book or from the book, one of the most powerful golden nuggets that one could pull out of here to shape and create? a positive, uplifting world experience. Let me start. Um, my view, I'm sort of more the, the, the abstract thinker. And okay. I, I think that the most important thing, and Jack is more practical, and I'm sure his advice would be more related to that, but just the idea that there is a future, a positive future. I think that, to me, is the most important uh, idea in the book, and it comes from Barbara Marks Hubbard and the, the notion of conscious evolution, but the fact that we can choose at this particular moment in time the course of the future. I think when you have, you know, what's going on with Wall Street and everything else and people are feeling so hopeless, just to come back to center and realize that the future is in fact in our hands, that we're not victims, and that obviously there's a lot to do and we have to combine our resources to do it, but just that hope I think is for me, uh, one of the most important uh, messages of the Golden Motorcycle Gang. Mm. Yeah, I think I agree with Bill that, that, you know, the main message of the book is that we are able to choose our future. I think it was Einstein said, if you want to know what your future will be, create it. And uh, basically that we have uh, – my work up until recently has been either with individuals or, you know, organizations like schools and companies – and what Barbara Marks Hubbard has helped me do through the Evolutionary Leaders Group and through her work in Conscious Evolution, and Conscious Evolution means evolution by choice, not chance, and to become conscious of the evolutionary impulse that is expressing itself on Earth through us. Each of us has a, a sense of what we'd love to do, what, we, what brings us joy, what, we, what we're passionate about. And if we were to follow that, and get it and tune in through meditation and through this contemplation and awareness of what we are drawn to do, what we are attracted to, what brings us joy, we will then be doing our part of that transformation of moving from fear and self-doubt to love and joy. I was reading a blog by Paulo Coelho, who wrote The um, Alchemist, a wonderful book. He's an author from South America and probably sold as many books as I have. And he did this blog called The Devil Had a Tag Sale. And it, the people are coming in to look at all these things the devil is selling. And most of them are $50, $100. And then there's two over in the corner that have $10,000 price tags on them. And people are, come in and they go, well, why are those so expensive? He says, oh, I can't let those go easily. They're the, my most powerful weapons. That's how I can control people. And, and they were labeled fear and self-doubt. 
And so what happens is that when we're in fear and when we doubt our ability, like we, we get into fear, like you were talking about people in resignation, feeling hopeless, that is how we get controlled to not fulfill our destiny. And when we have positive expectation, high self-esteem, we expect the best, we think we can manifest our vision and dream, then we create a world that not only works for us, but works for everybody. You know, what I love about this is, and this really just hit me, uh, I've got a burning question for both of you. Are you ready? Sure. Do you guys own Harley Davidson's? (laughs) (laughs) I actually had a motorcycle. It wasn't the Harley Davidson. Uh, It was a BMW motorcycle in college. And uh, Uh I once turned it over and hurt myself more than I wanted to, so I decided that wasn't my best mode of transportation. But uh, I did ride that thing. I rode it down to Newport Beach, or Newport, Rhode Island, where I got a tattoo on my arm during college. So I love the the freedom of a motorcycle. I love the attitude of motorcycle owners, but it got to a place where, for me, I just thought, I'm better off in a car. And my relationship to motorcycles is similar to Jack's. When I was 17, I had the great good fortune of living in Barcelona, Spain, and driving on the back of a motorcycle. It was a Norton. Um, from Barcelona all the way to uh, London, England. Obviously, we had to take, they didn't have the, the tunnel then, the channel. We took the boat uh, um, from France. But I'm not that mechanical myself, and I think you really do need to be alert when you're driving a, a motorcycle. And I, for me, it's more of a metaphor, but I did, and the part that I connect with very much, I did connect during that trip with the incredible sense of freedom that you have when you're in a motorcycle as opposed to a car, and you know, I kind of envy the guys that, you know, are the motorcycle riders and of their actual motorcycles. But we're, we're really all motorcycle gang members and riders. Uh, yeah, no kidding. I totally love it. You know, I, I, I had to ask that question because, you know, having grown up, my first vehicle was a, a go-kart then <laughs> that I crashed, of course. You know, an hour before my high school graduation, I'm riding a go-kart, crashed it, had to put on heels and stockings at the time, go to graduation with blood running down my leg. But I'll tell you, you couldn't get me off of. Now I'm like you guys. I'm like, wow, it's a little bit. I like the feeling <laughs> of the, my hair in the air, but... I think maybe I'll skip that. Although, Jack, I will give you credit. I'm getting a tattoo is still on my list of things to do. I'll tell you, when, when we went down to do that, there were three guys and a, and a girl, and the woman got a tattoo of a ladybug right above her knee. And four years later, we all got a card. And we opened on the card on the cover was a picture of a ladybug. And when you opened it up, it said deceased. She had had it removed. So I don't know if you really want to do that. No, I know, I know, but it is, it's kind of one of those things we like to dance with. Yes, We're going to take a short break, everyone. I'll tell you, this is, this is such a powerful, uplifting, and fun message. Jack Canfield, uh, William Gladstone, the Golden Motorcycle Gang, a story of transformation. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to take a look at what purpose means. What does it mean to be an evolutionary leader? What is TLC? And we're going to take a journey with Jack and Bill down the road of having collaborated and connected with Barbara Marks Hubbard. The question then becomes, are you ready to be part of the Golden Motorcycle Gang? We'll tell you about what that means, what the initiation is all about, and rock and roll to the tune of Bob Dylan playing electric guitar. All right, everybody, we'll be right back with the Dr. Pat Show. (laughs) 
Ladies, are you living an inspired life? Do you yearn for a more passionate, dream-filled life? Here's Linda Joy, founder of Aspire Magazine, and she has a gift for you. Aspire has launched its Mission to Inspire initiative with a commitment to give away 100,000 one-year digital subscriptions to women around the globe. Every subscription comes with a multitude of free gifts from our team inspiration partners. To claim it all, go to AspireMag.net today. No purchase necessary and live an inspired life. Imagine a chocolate so decadent that you'd never believe it could be good for you. Align your inner bliss with Mother Nature's magic. The power of cold-pressed cocoa by Shasai, the healthy chocolate. Shasai is everything you ever dreamed healthy should taste like. We combine unprocessed cocoa with acai and blueberry for an unbeatable high-oxidant powerhouse. Shasai, the healthy chocolate. Visit us at lifesaverchocolate.com or call 888-287-2011. I was dealing with anxiety and depression and nothing seemed to help me. Then I started to work with Dr. Schaub's Breakthrough Program. In just a few sessions, he helped me to finally understand and heal the deeper root cause of my challenges. As a result, I feel more centered and confident than ever before. And now I have the tools which will continue to support me throughout my life's journey. Dr. Schaub's approach has changed my life. Hello, I'm Dr. Friedman Schaub. And I work with people across the globe to help them break through anxiety and depression and access their true potential. If you are ready to bring back confidence, joy, and meaning in your life, call us to schedule a free phone consultation at 866-903-MIND. That's 866-903-6463. Or visit our website at CellularWisdom.com. That's CellularWisdom.com. how to achieve wellness in all areas of your life? Hi, I'm Mary Jane Mack. Signs of wellness are a capacity to love and ability to nurture, a sense of purpose, a good sense of humor and plenty of fun in your life, a concern for others and a respect for the environment, a conscious commitment to personal excellence, a sense of balance and integrated lifestyle, and capacity to cope with whatever life presents. Well, people enjoy their lives and want them to last as long as possible. That's why the wellness mindset usually accompanies other constructive healthy lifestyle habits. By adopting a wellness mindset and behavior, Behaviors like eating well, taking the right nutrition for the body, exercising, and saying affirmations are just a few things to structure a healthy system of values and beliefs. I will be your wellness coach to help you achieve a wellness lifestyle. Call us at 888-777-4232. That's 888-777-4232. And visit us at MaryJaneMack.com. Welcome back to the Dr. Pat Show with Dr. Pat Basile. If you have a question or a comment, call us toll-free at 866-472-5788. Now back to the program. Here's Dr. Pat Basile. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Welcome back to the show. For more information about us, you can definitely go to the drpatshow.com, and you can go to transformationtalkradio.com. Um, also, on the right-hand side of both of those uh, home pages, there's a way for you to ask questions coming into the show. I know many of you um, are at work. You can't call in, but you use that instant feedback, um, ask a question section uh, all the time. As a matter of fact, we have a couple questions in there now. Joining me today is Jack Canfield and Bill Gladstone, the Golden Motorcycle Gang, a story of transformation. And it is 
is a fun journey. It is, it is eye-opening. It is beautifully written. We get to know about transformation on a very personal level, not an academic level. This is a story. This is a book that all of us can relate to in preparation for what we are about to give back to the world. Bill, Jack, thank you so much for joining me here today. Our pleasure. It's wonderful to be on your show, Pat. All right. So we've all had motorcycles or have gone down that motorcycle road. Uh, if you're reading the book or you're listening to the show, actually one of the questions that did come in says, you know, is, is from, um, it, it's from actually from Joe in Montana. And he said, hi, Jack. Hi, Bill. I don't know if you guys know Joe, but he knows you. He said, this is a great, great conversation. I was waiting for you to tell all of us how we can become part of the Golden Motorcycle Gang. And does Barbara Marks Hubbard have a motorcycle? (laughs) (laughs) Well, first of all, I don't think she does. She's 83 at the time, I think, 82, 83, something like that. And she is uh, <laughs> not someone to be riding a motorcycle. However, um, as far as, what was the other part of the question? How do we become part of the Golden oh, yeah. Motorcycle Gang? Where so, do we sign up? Basically, now he's uh, reiterated. He yeah, said, sign me up. Where do I sign up? There's two levels of that. We do have a website called goldenmotorcyclegang.com. You can go there and actually register yourself as a member. There's also some resources there you can take advantage of, some videos you can look at. But really, to become a member of the Golden Motorcycle Gang, all you really have to do is choose to live your purpose fully, to step up past fear, past self-doubt, past limiting beliefs, and just literally bring your gift into the world. Barbara Marks Hubbard teaches that it's the synergy of all of our contributions that will create a world that works for everybody. And so basically, it's just a matter of declaring yourself a member um, and, and, and just really living with uh, what Bill calls courage and integrity and coming from that place of uh, you know, true essence rather than living in the fear of ego and, and so forth. Uh, Bill, I wanted to ask you the question, um, and, and also we're getting a couple of other questions here about Barbara. You know, how did, how, how did you both connect with Barbara? Um, what was that experience like? Because she contributes five questions that, uh, that I would love to talk about. But what was that experience like for you, for you well, in, in bringing Barbara into the fold, so to speak? Not that she has to be brought in. Well, well Barbara and I have known each other for about 20 years, and I have in my other role as literary agent represented some of her books. So I was already you know, very familiar with Barbara, and when I would uh, go to Santa Barbara, we would get together. And I didn't realize that Jack and Barbara were also f- close friends and connected until I went to Barbara's 80th birthday party, which was actually hosted at Jack's home. And it was seeing them together that started me thinking about my own relationship to 2012 and then sort of how the three of us really are interconnected. And that came out during the writing of the book, not at the beginning of the book, at the very beginning, when Jack and I first started talking about the Golden Motorcycle Gang, I didn't have Barbara in the book. But then I realized that she was pivotal in terms of really bringing things together. I mean, Jack has created the Transformational Leadership Council, and he's doing all these amazing things. But Barbara really gives us a context where we start to see how all of these individual success principles and individual accomplishments linked together in a global vision and a global accomplishment of 
creating a world that works for everyone. I think Jack was already doing it, but Barbara added this global vision through her research about conscious evolution and really the visionary space she's been holding for the last 40 years, you know, maintaining that we're here for a higher reason and we're all connected and we're all part of one consciousness. Let's talk about the questions, the five questions that are in the book. Uh, and, uh, and let's talk about their origin a little bit. You know, I'm, I'm sure when, when, when you guys, you know, sat down to talk with her, um, you had no idea you were going to get these questions. Can we talk about them sure. for a moment and why they're so significant? Well, Barbara had her own kind of golden motorcycle experience. She was uh, 73 and she was diagnosed as having chronic leukemia. And as part of her healing process, which she has done, she went to Maui and to Hawaii, and she there's a healer there that she had worked with before. And this healer said, we're going to do a process. We're going to go back through every year of your life, starting at 73, into 72, 71, 70, 69, et cetera, and look at in every year, is there someone or some event that you need to forgive? And this was a very long process when you're that old. It takes a while. <laughs> And so at the end of it, she literally remembers in this process with this healer crawling up inside her mother's womb, and then all of a sudden being back before she was born, just like Bill and I were talking about his near-death experience and my golden motorcycle experience, where she was in what she called like, like the Elysian fields of Greek mythology where the gods would live. And as she looked around, she saw Plato and Aristotle and other ascended masters and avatars and teachers and she was just amazed to be in this place and at one point in that she was sitting on the edge of like a cliff and there were all these other souls that were getting ready to jump off the cliff and be born into bodies and at that point she was given five questions to contemplate the first one was what do you know of the original plan and the idea that there is a plan of evolution that's unfolding and that she has a part in that the second question was, do you have any memory of having volunteered to be of service to Earth at this particular time? And there's many, many people now, both consciously and through hypnotic regression, have become very clear that they chose to be born at this time in history to be of service to this transformation that's occurring. And the third question was, if so, do you remember your contract? What was your agreement? You know, my agreement was to come down and help bring peace and love and joy on the planet. And then the fourth question was, what do you do best in the world that only you can do? Well, I am someone who inspires and empowers inspirate, you know, uh, self-actualization so that people can learn that they can live their dreams and create a world that they want to live in. And as they do that individually, they begin to realize, wow, if I can do that for myself, maybe I can do that for my company or my school and eventually my community and perhaps the whole world. And then finally, what are you to do now and what tools or resources do you need to do it? And that's really what we all need to be asking ourselves right now. What do I need to do to do this thing that only I do best in the world? And what tools or resources do I need? Do I need to hook up with other people? Do I need to learn some skills I may not have developed yet so that I can manifest my gift and my service into the world? So those were the five questions. And if you ask those questions, even if you just ask the only the last two, what do you do best in the world that only you can do? And what are you to do now? What tools or resources do you need to do it? That alone would take you into the next step of your own personal transformation. Mm. 
Bill, how have those questions changed, uh, if at all, your perspective on life? Did you go through and and think about them? Because I remember reading them, and I just thought, oh, my God, if I would have been – if those questions would have shown up in my life, you know, even five, six years ago, boy, I would have had to go in the desert to find the answer. Uh, but, you know, I'm getting a little bit uh, – a little bit brighter these days, so you know the answers to some of them came easily. How about for you, Bill? Well, well, the most important question for me really is the last question: What resources and tools do you need to do it? And I think, you know, once you've had the awakening, if you will, really, you know, that you're here for a higher purpose, you, you have to say, well, wait a second, how do I best do this, and what do I need? I mean, who should I be talking with? What other groups should I tie up with? Because we can't do it alone. Knowing that you came here for a higher purpose and knowing that you have special gifts, and I did, you know, have special gifts that were easily identifiable in, in my case, most of which had to do with I, I seem to have an extraordinary ability to, to read material and immediately sort of figure out, you know, how to get it to the right publisher. I mean, I, that's a gift, and I, I've, you know, helped a lot of wonderful books and messages get out. But what resources do I need to do this, not just at the level of being a literary agent in terms of connecting people and getting these messages out, but in terms of the really higher purpose of connecting this vision and this message? And, you know, what I'm thinking is, you know, one of the things I needed was somebody like Jack Canfield uh, to step up with me and bring this message to the world. And, you know, that really has been a huge uh, difference maker in my life. I mean, I was already, I mean, my first novel, you know, The Twelve is an international bestseller, but it's an international bestseller because it's done so well in you know, 25 different countries. But working with Jack, I really think that we now have an opportunity, and I personally have an opportunity to literally reach millions of people. I mean, Jack's Chicken Soup for the Soul series has sold half a billion copies. So in my case, I think the answer to the question was, you know, which I didn't even know the question at the time, was to start associating with people who really have even greater access. And then through Jack, becoming more aware, all the organizations that we've lifted in the appendices to the Golden Motorcycle Gang. I wasn't aware of TLC uh, until I, I, you know, started talking with Jack and became much more aware during the writing of this book. And I wasn't aware of some of the fantastic organizations, Push for Peace, Pachamama Alliance, and these other organizations. And I think... Uh, you know, that for me was the real eye-opener, seeing that it's all here now. I mean, just ask. And, you know, I think this is true for any reader. No matter what your gift is, there are other people and resources available to you right now, and you can connect right now, in many cases within minutes of the end of this radio interview, and start fulfilling your purpose in a larger, more productive way. Absolutely. And actually, if you own my smartphone, it will connect you automatically. (laughs) (laughs) One of the things that um, I wanted to ask you both about is kind of moving ahead a little bit, looking at the future. But before I do that, I want to let everyone know that – Please make sure you all get a copy of this book. Go to the website, goldenmotorcyclegang.com, goldenmotorcyclegang.com. And if you, if you do nothing else, as Jack said earlier, um, you know, scroll down and, and, and take a look at this life purpose exercise. I know I did and fascinated by it. It's such an enormous gift from Jack and from Bill. 
uh, and it will it will really be an eye opener for you to take a look at what your next move is in life. And I wanted to ask you both. I mean, you know, this book is um, this book is published by Hay House, and we've been partners with Hay House since the very first show that I actually did. Um, and I know you're going to be involved in some up you know, upcoming teleseminars and so forth. Where do you go next now? The book is written. What is the next level, the next wave of uh, invitation that you both have planned for people to be prepared to do exactly what we're talking about for 2012? Well, as you said, there will be some teleseminars and things. And if people register at the uh, website called MotorcycleGang.com, uh, they'll find out about those. We'll, we'll be doing a number of uh, teleseminars, webinars, and things to help people step into their purpose and identify what is their true next step. Uh, there's a powerful exercise I do in my trainings about what is my next step that I need to take at this time, how am I most likely to screw it up, and what quality do I need to manifest in order to not do that. And so there's, there's a number of uh, techniques and things we can help people with. Also, I think the next big thing we're working at is this uh, – birthday that's going to happen on December 22nd. You know, people often talk about the end of the world or the end of an era on December 21st. Well, that's great, but what do we do the next day? And so we've decided to, along with Barbara and the Shift Network with Stephen Dynan, to sponsor and to encourage a number of events around the world, both concerts, television shows, gatherings in people's homes and, and churches and other places, community centers and convention centers, to celebrate the birth of this new era. And uh, in the back of the book, there's an entire uh, chapter that talks about all the events that we're imagining. Uh, there's a website called birth2012.com, B-I-R-T-H-2012, and people can go there to stay abreast of all the different activities and things that will be happening. And there's also a, a kind of a day, an outline of a possible day that one could participate in, uh, even if you just set up you know, events in your own home with uh, friends uh, you don't have to live in a big city like New York or L.A. to go to these mega events, although you can certainly do that. So basically those are the, the things we have planned for the future. I, I think it's exciting. And, you know, I was speaking with someone the other day, uh, and, and, and they, were, they were completely all over my case. And, Bill, I think you're related to this. You know, they were like, okay, look. When are you going to finish your book? When are you going to when are you going to do the book proposal? Wait, get the book done. Hurry up! 2012 is coming. Get the book done. So I want to ask you about that. It's like, yes, I'm working on my book proposal. Yes, we're launching the Epic World and Epic Living, but I don't really feel a sense that if I don't get the book done by December 11th, which is my birthday, Bill, then mm. I'm going to fall through the portal of people that wanted to write a book but could never get it done. I, I totally agree with you. One of the important things for people to know about December 21st, 22nd, 2012 is it is an important date. It is the end of a 26,000-year cycle, but we're already experiencing this. I mean, think of it if, if it was the end of a day and you were one second off. Is anyone going to notice? So, yes, we think that the day is very important. We think that the day must be celebrated and that we must use it as a marker, but at the same time, Nothing catastrophic is going to happen, <laughs> and it's not like you have this one day, and, and if, if you're not ready on that one day, you're lost. Um, in fact, uh, Hay House is sponsoring a series of 2012 A New Beginning free webinars um, that I'll be hosting. The first two we already have slated for January 12th and February 2nd, and if people go to Hay House 
Uh, I don't think they've even posted it yet, but that's something's going to happen. And then the other thing that Jack and I are planning on doing with Hay House is the next book will be the Golden Motorcycle Gang Chronicles, and we're going to create a contest, and we want to hear from all the listeners out there that have had Golden Motorcycle Gang-type moments. And uh, I think we're going to set up a, a website where people can send in a little one-minute video, and then we'll choose from those stories the ones that we think will be best for uh, an anthology-type book that one might think of as chicken soup for the unusual soul. Uh, I'm all in, by the way, on that one. <laughs> I, I am all in on that one. I love the idea of creating so many invitations for people uh, to participate in their lives. And let's just talk about that. Uh, for a moment. Uh, boy, this hour has gone so quickly. Uh, I started earlier to say that I did a show yesterday, and the guest's question was, um, have Americans lost compassion? And there's a lot of layers in that question. But I want to ask a different question. You know, I want to ask what your individual visions are to bring um, people that read the book, people that you touch, that you've touched for years, to that place of absolute magnificence about who they are in life. Jack, do you want to go first? Well, I think if everyone really steps up and becomes who they are at the deepest level, we're going to find that all of our institutions start to work because people will, in fact, be coming from compassion, coming from vision rather than reaction to things. Uh, instead of like, how am I going to survive this? Should I take my stock and buy gold? You know, <laughs> protectionist fear kind of thing moving into a what do we want to create together? What would our world look like if it were the world we want to live in? And I think that the schools will become places of cooperative learning rather than competition and, and fear that exists in our schools. I think our companies will become places where people are asking how can we best serve our customers rather than how can we make the most money? How can we make sure that we don't pollute the environment in the process? People will have a more sacred sense of themselves, and they will be more connected to all of life. And that includes, you know, the ecological sustainability that we all talk about, not because we're doing it out of survival, but because we're doing it out of love for the same life energy that pours through us is the same life energy that pours through a fish, a bird, uh, and, and even lakes and ponds we know are alive uh, with, with energy. So I think that's the, that's the vision I see for a world where everyone is working in harmony and bringing their unique gifts to the table so that everybody is experiencing joy and bliss. Mm. And, and, Bill, uh, how about you? Uh, well, someone I, I share, some, I mean, one of the reasons yeah. Jack and I wrote this book together is we, we really have very similar values and visions. Um, my vision is that everyone is aware that they're simultaneously who they are as an individual ego, but that they're also aware that they're part of a cosmic whole where we're all interconnected. And when I say all, everything is interconnected. Everything is actually alive. It's just human beings happen to define life in a specific way, but consciousness itself permeates every aspect of the universe, including even what we consider inanimate objects. And once you have that awareness, it changes everything. How can you be cruel to anyone? How can you not have compassion for others because others are, in fact, you? And if you have that insight, and, of course, you don't give up your individuality. I mean, your individuality is the joy, and it's the joy that you share with the universe because the universe is a single conscious being, if you will, delights. That's the whole reason you're here, so that you can find your own unique ways to 
add to the complexity of life and to experience joy in a way that only you can experience joy. So that's the vision that I have. And, um, you know, I think the John Lennon song, Imagine, you know, some say I'm a dreamer, but I'm not the only one. I think that's what this Golden Motorcycle Gang is really all about. There's millions of us dreamers, if you will. And if we come together, we really can create a world that works for everyone and that is a world of joy and bliss. And it doesn't mean there's not going to be challenges and pain and suffering. That's part of being human. But we can have a focus that accentuates the positive and deals with the negative in a compassionate way. Well, I want to thank both of you for joining me here today. I love the collaboration. Um, and I, I love the invitation that you both have presented uh, to the world. And um, I certainly am going to get my motorcycle boots on. Uh, going to, and as a matter of fact, I actually dressed up as a biker chick for Halloween. So just <laughs> FYI, if you want that picture, it's on Facebook. Uh, <laughs> uh, but I wanted to thank you guys, both of you, for joining me here today. And I want to thank you both for being you. Thank you so much. Well, I tried being someone else who didn't work, so <laughs> it's easier being me. <laughs> yeah, well, absolutely. Thank well, thank you, Pat. Really, you're, you're, you're just doing a great service uh, with your show and, and your ability to zero in on, on things that really matter. So thank you. Absolutely. I appreciate it. Let's give out the website and let everybody know one more time, Jack, if you would, how they can get in the gang. Yeah, if you want to join up, uh, just go to goldenmotorcyclegang.com. All right. Thank you both for joining us here today. And um, everybody, the book is called The Golden Motorcycle Gang, but it's actually more than a book. Uh, it really is an invitation and experience. And if you've missed any part of this show today, you'll be able to find it in the day on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Jack Canfield, uh, Bill Gladstone, thank you guys. You are the best. Thank you so much. Okay. You're welcome. You're very welcome. I want to thank everybody out there for tuning in, turning us on. And you know what? Thank you all for all the happy anniversary stuff. Yes, this is the one-year anniversary of, anniversary of Transformation Talk Radio. We're launching the Epic World on December 11th. Yes, we have lots of information to share with you. And, you know, I'm going to remember what Bill Gladstone said. I'm going to get that book proposal done by my birthday but it may not be to the second bill, so I may be hunting you down. Uh, thank you guys for joining us. Thank you all for tuning us in, turning us on. We'll see you next time on the Dr. Pat Show. Thank you for listening to the Dr. Pat Show, radio to thrive by. To contact Dr. Pat, visit thedrpatshow.com. Tune in next Thursday for another dynamic hour of the Dr. Pat Show with Dr. Pat Basili. higher consciousness perspective. The hosts on Transformation Talk Radio offer a positive and new paradigm shift, a new vision for a collective future. They are empowering and helping all of us experience a powerful wave of personal shifts and cultural change as we break through to even greater levels of awareness. Take down our toll-free number, 1-800-930-2819. Call in, connect, Make sure you tap into some of the world's most empowering psychics, healers, and more. Get an on-air reading with the best. Tune in. TransformationTalkRadio.com. Hey, everybody. We'll see you there.
You're listening to Transformation Talk Radio. Our hosts are setting a new standard for a fresh kind of talk radio, creating conversations that are transforming the world, one listener at a time. Transformation Talk Radio's mission is to broadcast a distinct blend of live talk radio interviews with a mix of uplifting and intelligent news, educational and practical information. Topics range from personal development to critical issues relevant to a rapidly changing world. Stay tuned. Transformation Talk Radio starts at the top of every hour. 